welcome to the Cyber Ranch podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas, where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Cyber Ranch podcast. I've got two very special guests with me today, Chris Cochran and Ron Eddings from Hacker Valley Studio. Chris, Ron, thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us on, Alan. First, a brief word about our sponsor. Time is the enemy of cybersecurity. Time spent identifying devices that are missing endpoint agents with known vulnerabilities that are unmanaged, that need updates. Time spent identifying cloud instances that aren't being scanned, that are misconfigured. Time spent gathering asset data. Time is the enemy of cybersecurity until Axonius. By connecting to existing data sources, customers get a comprehensive asset inventory, understand security gaps, and automatically validate and enforce security policies. Thank you, Axonius, for sponsoring this show. All right, so I thought we'd get to know you guys a little bit better. So the first question, I'll shoot it to Chris. Tell me a little bit about who you are and how you got into cyber. Yeah, so luckily I got into cybersecurity via the United States Marine Corps. I was at the National Security Agency for a little bit, and that offered me the opportunity to work with technical intelligence things. From there, I went to United States Cyber Command. After my stint in the the government spaces, I went to a few of the consulting firms. I went to Mandian. I was at Booz Allen Hamilton for a little bit. Ron and I met at General Alexander's startup, IronNet. I was at Netflix for a little bit, and now I am at Marketa, which is a financial technology startup, and I'm uh, the director of security engineering over there. Beautiful. Ron, how about you? For me, I'm a son of cybersecurity and mentorship. I originally got into cybersecurity indirectly when I was a teenager. I got hacked and all types of crazy things and hell broke loose on my computer. And that led me down a route of curiosity. But I got my professional start by getting mentorship. I was suggested to take some books on CCNA, ended up getting my certification and an opportunity to work at Booz Allen Hamilton, just like Chris, and kind of started out in the intelligence community, did a lot of offensive operations in the beginning, and pivoted it into working for cybersecurity vendors. So I worked for McAfee, I worked for Intel for a stint when they owned McAfee, and I also worked for Palo Alto Networks for quite a while. And now me and Chris are in the same place. We're working both at Marketa, I'm leading detection and response, but really at night, it's all about the podcast and promoting voices and others in the industry. That's great. So tell me a little bit about the day job. The, the day job is building cybersecurity from the ground up. It's a great opportunity that Chris and I found ourselves in. We're working with someone that we consider a mentor, who's our VP, and we have the opportunity to integrate all of the lessons that we've learned over the years of being in cybersecurity. So we have to build detection and response. We have to establish that relationship between IT and security, compliance and security. So we're really the integrators of security at our organization and making sure that our organization stays secure and also that our customers get that same benefit. That sounds cool. 
So Chris, as, as director, are you finding yourself doing more of the hands-on now? Are you starting to focus more on leadership? Like how, how much do you get to play with the toys? I'm all leadership all day now. It, it, it's crazy how you go from being a practitioner to being a leader. And now really you're, what you're doing is you're supporting your engineers and operators to enable them to do their best work. So no, I don't get to play with the toys as much, uh, which is sad. I'm all grown up now. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, I love supporting the team, making sure that they have everything that they need, giving them the ammo that they need to get their jobs done. And that that's, you know, I, I think it's kind of part of the process of going through the ranks, coming up into leadership and, and just being able to be the best leader that I can. So, and I'm obsessed with leadership. I've been obsessed with leadership since the United States Marine Corps. So I do enjoy the leadership aspect, but I do miss uh, playing with the puzzles. I feel that for sure. So Ron, you mentioned... Uh... Talk to me about how the day job influences the podcasting that you do and how the podcasting influences the day job. Surely there's some some benefits both directions there for you. Absolutely. And it really all started when Chris and I had the opportunity to actually live together. When Chris took a, an opportunity at Netflix, he moved to San Jose, California. And we really decided to just jump on the microphones and talk about the things that we're experts in, which is cybersecurity. We started talking about cybersecurity alchemy. How do you turn something seemingly invaluable to something valuable? We talked about kind of transforming the technical skills, transforming the leadership skills into something that an organization can benefit from. And that really spiraled into us talking to other people and inviting other people on our on our platform. And that platform ultimately turned into a podcast. It didn't start out as a podcast. We were doing video at first and posting a lot on YouTube, but we really found our niche and, and honed our craft in podcasting. And just talking to all the experts, um, you find yourself in a lot of interesting situations. And you know this from experience, being a two-time podcaster and speaking to so many experts, the engagement that you get on LinkedIn kind of it shows a lot of knowledge. There's a lot of great practitioners that will comment on our LinkedIn posts, on our Twitter posts, and give their give their feedback about what they thought about the episode, what they think about technology. And we're able to take all of those learnings into our day jobs and enhance our cybersecurity programs. But it goes the opposite way too. So when I am learning about a new technology, maybe a new cloud technology, you know, everything is cloud. Now we're going through a huge digital transformation. I'm able, I'm able to take those same concepts and talk about them with the experts and leaders that we have on the podcast. That sounds great. So, Chris, how about how about for you? Is it a similar story? Are you, are you, are you seeing other benefits um, both directions now? Yeah, I would say there are a couple of different uh, benefits that I'm seeing. One benefit that I, I've really seen, and it's almost become like a superpower from uh, an organizational standpoint, is the ability to reach people uh, and bring them in for uh, hiring. So whenever I, I want to reach a bunch of people, all I have to do now is, is post on my LinkedIn if, if I don't have anybody in mind for a particular role. You know, and that, that wouldn't be possible, in, at least in my opinion, without the podcast. Just being able to, to grow that network uh, as large as it's become, it's really been easy to, to hire people and bring talent in. And so that I'm, for that, I'm super thankful. On the other side, I would say 
everything that we do outside of the podcast, speaking engagements, things like that, keeps us on our toes. So it keeps us on the front edge of understanding what the problems that people are facing. Because when we go to talk, we want to be sure that we're giving something of value. Even on the podcast, we want to make sure that we're giving value back to the community. So ensuring that we understand the plight of everybody that's operating today is is super important. So yeah, both ways, it seems to work hand in hand. I get that completely. And one thing I've personally learned from from the experiences, both my LinkedIn posting and my podcasting, is that sometimes I'm up against a subject that I'm not very much the expert in. It's something I know something about or I wouldn't be posting about it. But I find that I oftentimes have to do a lot of research before I engage a guest about a subject. I, I recorded one show already with Kelly Shortridge on behavioral economics, and I knew next to nothing about behavioral economics. And so I had to do a ton of research just to even know what questions to ask her. And so I found there's a value there as well that I'm constantly challenging myself and pushing myself to basically learn more. If I'm going to put a public face forward, I'm going to I'm going to darn well know what I'm talking about or at least be able to ask the right questions of the folks who do. And and to your point, having those experts on, I learned so much from Kelly that show. And there's plenty of other guests on plenty of other shows that I've had a similar experience and, and I think in LinkedIn, it's a it's a similar story as well. To your point, folks are not afraid to jump on and comment in LinkedIn. And, and the style that I've always tried to foster there is exactly that. I want a free and open exchange of ideas. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got an experience. And, and I don't care how junior you are in the profession. If you've brushed up against a thing, you've probably got a thought about that thing. And, and I want to see all of those thoughts shared. I'm a big believer in don't hesitate to broadcast what you do know and what you're good at. Don't don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to go public with what's in your brain about information security, because at the end of the day, somebody somewhere is going to benefit from what you've learned already. Even, even if you feel like you're too junior and don't have enough experiences, I can guarantee you that somebody somewhere is going to benefit from your output. So I always advise people when they ask me, like, you know, how do I know I'm ready for a podcast? You know, what, what do I do? My, my answer is you're ready now. Just dive right. out there and do it. You're going to find an audience. Mm-hmm. How, how does that how does that resonate with you? That really resonates with me because what I've learned through podcasting is it's more about a story. And same for cybersecurity. When we are practicing cybersecurity, we're often translating that information into stories. And everyone has a story to tell. And one of the the best part about being in the podcasting seat is hearing that story, hearing the experience that someone had learning something new, that someone had implementing a new technology. There's always problems that exist. There's a, a resolution that occurs, and there's also excitement along every step of the way. So I think you're 100% right. It's always time to, to be a guest on a podcast because there's always an opportunity and time to tell your story in some way. And one thing I tell people, even when they're just getting into cybersecurity and they want to push out content, but they're like, who am I to push out content? I just started. But I think there is power in asking the right questions. So just putting out the, hey, I'm curious about X, Y, and Z. These are the problems that I'm seeing. How have people solved this? If you're asking good questions, you're going to get engagement. And even if you were to build an entire podcast around asking the right questions, I don't think you could lose. So really get creative with how you're going to produce content and and really get clean and clear on how you ask questions. And I would say that's good advice for anybody. Yeah, I, I tell folks, don't try to be the person with all the answers. 
try to be the person with all the right questions. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a mantra I try to live by. Um, and, and I've developed this reputation somehow as being an expert. <laughs> and the reality is <laughs> I'm just a curious guy who's asking lots of questions. And, and you know, the, the old adage, there are no stupid questions. I'll agree with that. But there are smarter questions. And that's what I strive to do is ask the smarter questions. And that's really it. That's 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 all I'm trying to do here, because every time you ask a question in public, it, it's not just you who gets the answer. It's everyone who gets the answer. And we all benefit and we all lift each other up. And I love nothing more than to wake up in the morning and see that a LinkedIn question I posed the day before has got 100 new responses and people are just going back and forth and you see replies to the replies. And that's when I know I've really struck a nerve and I've really done something for the community. Everyone walks away from that dialogue, the better for it. Yeah. So, Chris, let's talk a little bit about passion. One thing I've always admired about you is everything you do, the podcasting, the career, the day job, the leadership, the evolution from technical to, to, to leadership roles. You always seem to be passionate about these things. And, and I wanted to hear from you a little bit about where your passion comes from, what motivates you and what drives you, but also how you see that passion benefiting both your day job and your podcasting. Yeah. So one thing that both Ron and I believe in is getting better every single day, even if it's in really, really small increments. And so that's what really drives me is the things that I'm interested in. So podcasting, cybersecurity, leadership, just trying to get better every single day, even if it's in really, really small increments. So reading the books, reading the articles, taking the classes, talking to mentors, that's what really like gets me out of bed is because I want to be as sharp of a tool as I possibly can be when it comes to anything that I do. So when it comes to leadership, I want to make sure I have a bag full of tools that I could use at any given moment when I'm presented with a, a leadership problem or in, a, in the podcasting world. I want to make sure that we amplify the voice of the, the guests that we bring onto the podcast as best as possible and make sure that it reaches as many ears as possible. So then I have to sharpen all of those tools as well. So just having that that purpose really gives you like that focus and allows you to stay consistent day after day after day and be able to produce something that, that people can can learn from and, and enjoy. So I would say just just being consistent understanding my own personal purpose, understanding my abilities and my superpowers. And I feel like once people kind of get to that level, then there's nothing that anyone can do to stop. That's beautiful. Ron, how about you? I'm a collector. I love collecting things. When I first was, you know, getting into collecting anything, it was baseball cards, Pokemon cards, cards of all sorts. But now what I love to collect our experiences. And and Chris really said it best, like we want to get better every day. And the way to get better is by learning new things. I love working with coaches, professionals that can help me get better in some way or another. For example, uh, Chris and I, we both went through training for vocal coaching. We wanted to kind of hone in our craft as podcasters and get better with vocal coaching and well, speaking, I should say. And we also hired coaches for storytelling. So I'm currently working with two coaches to really hone in my craft for telling stories. That's such a important part of everyday interaction with anyone. But also just the another thing that I really enjoy to see and what makes me passionate is retrospective. A lot of teams follow some type of agile methodology where they have two week sprints. One of the things that I love most is the is looking back on all that has been done. So 
every week I sit down with myself and I look back at all the tasks that I've completed. I look back at how am I working towards my goal? And that's fun in itself. You know, progress is seemingly ordinary in the moment, but extraordinary in retrospect. So I kind of look at it that way and also use my imagination. I'm a kid at heart. I'm still a kid as an adult. And I will put myself in imaginary situations. There might be moments where I'm facing adversity and I I have to put myself and make myself maybe Michael Jordan. I'm trying to shoot a buzzer beater and I have to put myself in that champion mindset for a task that might be hard. It might not be life or death or championship or not, but putting myself and using my imagination in those situations makes it more fun. It makes it more of a passionate project. I didn't know you collected Pokemon cards, man. <laughs> Still do. <laughs> I've got awesome. I've got a few myself, although it's for my eight-year-old, to be fair. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can totally relate to the collector thing. I do have about 5,000 Magic the Gathering cards. <laughs> there we go. So the storytelling aspect, you, you've mentioned storytelling a couple of times now, Ron, both sort of uh, as a forward-looking tool, but also now as a retroactive tool, a retrospective tool, I should say. Chris, how about storytelling for you? What's the role of storytelling in what you do? Oh, man, you just opened up a can of worms. So for me, I lived through movies, to be honest with you. that That's how we used to bond when we were kids with my family. Uh, we would just sit down and we would have like movie days or, or movie nights. And that's how often I, I use movies to have deep conversations with folks. So I like to give people, I'm like, hey, you got to check out this movie. And then after you watch it, let's talk about it and have a deep introspective conversation. And so I've been obsessed with stories ever since then. I I write stories. In fact, a lot of times when I put the kids to bed and they ask me for a story, I just come up with a story off the top of my my head. And it's it's one of those things that I got from my mom. My mom, she was an author uh, way back when. And that's one of the things she did with us. Uh, I remember being in the, the wee hours of the morning and mom would just want to tell us a a story just off the top of her head. And she would be really intricate and very, very mystical and magical about the way she would tell a story. And I've kind of just taken that on uh, into podcasting. I've taken that on into my work. And in fact, from a threat intelligence perspective, I, I think that's one of the reasons why I stayed in threat intelligence so long and was able to make the impact that I did is that I, I am a storyteller. I've been a storyteller my whole life. And so whenever I'm piecing together that that story as to what could possibly happen or what did happen, I have to fill in the gaps sometimes. And those gaps end up becoming assessments. Like, what do we think is, is the missing pieces here? And of course, there's confidence levels and things like that. But I would say storytelling has been my in my life. And and the more I tell stories, the more I want to tell stories. And that's why Ron and I, we just, we found this, this thing that's going to help us like, you know, not only tell our story, but tell everyone else's story. So this is a perfect medium for us. And uh, we're just going to keep telling stories. That sounds great. I've, I've got a master's in information systems and security, right? So I've, I've got my, my degree that matches my career. I've got my official <laughs> chops. I can point to the piece of paper on the wall. But the more interesting degree to me is my undergraduate degree, which was in liberal arts. Um, I, I, I mean, it, right here. 
Yep. So, so I did honors humanities at TCU. I transferred to UT and, and did all kinds of English, political science, philosophy. I was all over the map for the liberal arts and humanities and, and spent quite a long time in undergrad, actually. I, I was paying my way through and, and I, I was already working high tech jobs and I literally saw school not as a vocational mechanism. In other words, I wasn't going to go get a computer degree. I was already quite good with computers. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but I was going to learn. I wanted to learn about learning. I wanted to learn how to learn. I wanted to learn about all the thoughts and the foundations and the philosophies that drive what we do in the modern world. And so I literally just kept going to school to learn things. I would be working full time and take a couple of classes or I'd work part time and go full time. And I I, I mixed and matched, but I, I kept it up for years and years and years. And I, I would argue that that liberal arts foundation, that humanities foundation has been more valuable to me in my career than my master's degree, which is actually you know, focused and dedicated to the subject that I do. Right. Right. And, and I think the storytelling piece of it, I, I don't care how technical a person you are, how, how deep an engineering nerd you are. Storytelling is our natural mode of communication as human beings. I'm convinced of it ever since we were sitting around the, the campfires eating mastodons. Right. I, I think storytelling <laughs> has been a, a chief component in how we relate to the world and how we relate to each other. And, and I found it to be an invaluable skill. People always talk about the higher up the ladder you climb, the more soft skills you need. Well, soft skills is, is all about liberal arts and humanities, right? That's, that's what you're focusing on. That, that ability to tell a story. If you're in front of a board, and you splash up a graphic that shows a bunch of metrics and measurements like, you know, last last month we blocked 1,372,468, you know, virus attacks. This is going to mean nothing to a board. But if you can walk in with a narrative, if you can walk in with a story, once upon a time our company was here and then we did these things and we invested these dollars and now we're there. Look at how much improvement we have. And now let's tell a story to, to Ron's point, imagining and future looking. You know, let's let's project into the future and let's talk about uh, where we could be. And now you're having a conversation with a board that they can relate to. And it's a it's a story based tale. You're still providing measurement and metrics and detail. But at the end of the day, it's the storytelling that is the compelling component in that story. And it's the storytelling that's more likely to get you the funding that you need from that board. And I think a lot of people forget that they have a story to tell. I mean, I know in my adult career, I've forgotten at times that I had a story. I I was largely completely silent in the community up until 2019. That's about 12 years of my career where I was largely silent. And, you know, Ron was right. Ron said, everyone has a story to tell. Like, no matter who you are, you have a story to tell. So if, if we all realize that, one, we have a story, and two, that there are ways to really get our story across to be able to enact change, to 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 bring about thought-provoking situations, I think people would do it more. And, and I really want to hear everyone's story, to be honest with you, because I think everyone does. You know how I know that everyone has a story? Because there's two, there's really one big piece to a story, and that is the character. And the character in a story is the problem. The story, though, is the solution. So if you are a character or if you know characters, then you already have stories and the story behind the character is the solution to everything. I love that. I love that. And I'm so grateful that you guys both uh, grasp this storytelling principle, that it's so key in our technology careers. And, and I love how you applied it to Threat Intel, too, by the way. 
I, I had never thought of that, but but part of what you're doing with threat intelligence is you're having to do some predictive work there, right? Like like we saw this sign, we saw that sign, we saw this IOC. What's coming next? What's this bad guy going to do? What what might they already have done? And there's this projection and imagination and and narrative that you have to spin to properly get on top of that. And I think even even in other technical realms of what we do, there's there's a storytelling component that can benefit. If you look at um, user awareness training. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a story to be told there because every every user you've got is somewhere on the curve of experienced with InfoSec, you know, all the way up to deeply integrated InfoSec into their lives and, and their work patterns and practices. And there's a story you're telling there. And you can't just blindly blast a bunch of training material at people. You've got to you've got to meet them where their story is today. And you've got to walk them through, hey, I'm in finance and I'm calculating these numbers and I've got access to these spreadsheets. And one day I get an email from the quote unquote CEO, you know, yeah. and, and you have to tell a story that's going to grip them, that's going to compel them, that's going to meet them where they live. So I, I think the storytelling applies almost everywhere in our field, um, technical or untechnical discipline. It doesn't matter. The storytelling is a component there. So tell me, Ron, you know, future looking for you. What do you see as your next steps in your career? How do you see yourself advancing? You know, you've, you've talked about a lot of forward-looking material here, but I'm curious where you see yourself going and, and how you see yourself, you know, where is Ron three years from now? Where is Ron five years from now? That's a great question. Uh, first and foremost, really want to see where the podcast can go. I really want to keep on amplifying not only others' voices in cybersecurity, but my own. One of the things that I'm looking forward to most, and I think this is also what keeps me into the game, is confrontation. I love confrontation in all aspects. I love the negotiation process of starting a job. There is so much that you can learn about your employer just through that initial negotiation, which involves interviewing for an opportunity, negotiating your salary, and ultimately agreeing on your responsibilities. I love the confrontation of stepping into a lead, being stepping into being a leader. When you stepping when you step into being a leader, you have to confront some of the harder questions that you don't have the solutions to. You have to start answering questions about the team and and their performance. You have to start answering questions about the processes and results that your cybersecurity organization is solving or not solving. And from your perspective, I'm sure that you're stepping into the confrontation of business processes. You have to help the organization make money. So really what I look for in the next three to five years is what is the opportunity that's going to provide the most confrontation? Because that's really where I start to learn new things. When I'm confronting the unknown and taking some type of stab at that unknown with questions and answers like you were speaking about. So, Chris, how about you? What's keeping you in the game and where do you see yourself in three to five years, you know, given these motivations? So I'm super grateful for the position that I'm in now, being able to work with Ron and build this team that we have going on, build the the maturity and the processes. So super excited for that. And that's going to take some time. And uh, that's going to probably put us uh, around that three to four year mark. And I think on the podcast side, we're just going to continue to grow this thing because, I mean, from a business perspective, we've done uh, outstandingly. I, I can't believe how far we've made it so far, but I just want to see how far it could go. Like Ron said, uh, I'm super excited, super grateful for everything, all, all the the success that we've been able to, to see. And uh, yeah, just keep moving forward and, and doing more stuff for, for people and even probably 
expand a little bit beyond audio, I think here in the, in the, in the future. So uh, super excited for things that come. I have one thing I forgot. One thing I forgot is I also want to see the Cyber Ranch podcast go the distance. In three years, <laughs> I want to help, you know, you, Alan, promote this thing as much as I can. I want to see you be successful because the more successful you are, the more successful we are and vice versa. A rising tide lifts all ships. And that's what I'm really aiming for. I love it. Ron Eddings, Chris Cochran, thank y'all so much for coming out to the show. Thank you, listeners. Y'all be good now.